Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello to one of my favorite people, authors, Anna Lazowski. How are things in Winnipeg, Canada? Very hot and muggy. How about you? Uh, here in Tel Aviv, hot and muggy. We could be next door. We could. That would be nice, um, actually. I, you're back on the show, and I, I, I'm so delighted. Um, there's something about you, uh, your spirit, your personality, and the wonderful books that you write, and maybe the fact that we're both from Winnipeg. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know how to suffer. Yes. So welcome. So we're celebrating a new children's book of yours, which just launched about a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. And it's called Dark Cloud from Kids Can Press. And why don't you wave it all over the screen so the people watching the video can see it? Illustrated mm-hmm. by Penny Neville Lee from, from Britain. Yes. yes. Yeah, she lives and, uh, in Manchester, I think. Yes, and, and and this is a wonderful. Well, Manchester's in Britain, and yes. this is mm, and this is a wonderful opportunity to talk a little bit about your book, mm-hmm. and to show yes. people some pages, except for the podcasters. Yeah, they'll have to imagine a lot of charcoal grays, dark muted colors. Um, I love yeah, it. It's about a little girl named Abigail, so that people can see her, who suddenly has a dark cloud that appears in her life and she goes about you know not really enjoying things she used to like like her birthday party she's a little bit in shadows there and then slowly over time she starts to understand what's going on she gets some support from her dad I'm just going to find that page oh actually you know what I'm going to show you one of my very favorite pages that Penny drew which is this to find it She drew this beautiful double page spread. I'm going to have to show it to you in parts. So there's Abigail at the library. But it's this whole other page of the library, too. And it gives you these pipes underground. And there's all these little details, like little posters and birds. And it's just like, I think it's incredible. I kind of couldn't believe it when I saw that page. Um, But over time, she kind of gets comfortable and understands what her life is like and is able to find, you know, moments of joy despite the fact that she's dealing with what is not ever specifically referenced in the text of the book, but is depression with like little elements of anxiety in it as well. And then at the end, you know, the end papers are, end papers are lovely because they go from this black and white floral pattern into full color at the end. That's just really lovely. Yeah. The uh, the transition is spectacular. Mm-hmm. I'm not, as you know, I'm not a maven on uh, illustration. Um, I mean, we're both lucky to have great illustrators. Mm-hmm. But um, there, there's something, it's not exactly gray. No. Like at the beginning, it's not gray. There's hints of blue and hints of purple. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. can, can you show a page like that? I think it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, the first page in her living room, it's it's almost got like a bit of a greenish kind of, I don't know if you can see this, but it's mm-hmm. got like a bit of a greenish kind of hue to it. Mm-hmm. And then there's, yeah, a little, <sighs> and her legs are kind of purple. Yeah, and then like there's, there's shades of it's, yeah. it's gray with shades of, mm-hmm. of 
green and blue, like the colors are are there. They're yeah. they're somehow prevented from coming out. Mm -hmm. So um, this is you know T Rex is a crazy Michigan hilarious uh, take on uh, things that animals cannot do. An alphabet book. Mm -hmm. uh, if I if I remember properly, it's in rhyme. Am I remembering rightly? It's not. No. Then it's I, not I'm. I can I can remember wrongly. You know. Yeah. Well, you read a lot of books. That that was a year year two years ago. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I just remembered how much fun it was. Um, yeah. It's and a... and this book is um, more allegorical. allegorical and less fun. Yes. Yeah. That was a question. Why is that? <laughs> What happened there? Uh, <laughs> it's funny because, you know, as you get deeper into this, be like, you know, build your brand, make sure like do one thing and really like go all in. It was the same for me when I was in art school because I went to, I took a, my BFA in fine arts. So it was the same thing. It was like, you don't want to try too many things. You want to like pick a lane and stay in that lane. That's your lane. And I was just like, I don't really want to do that. Like, I want to try a lot of things. I want to do a bunch of different things. So I think it, it, I kind of felt the same way not at the beginning of picture book writing, like when you don't know a lot of other writers and you don't know all the rules and you're just like, I'm going to write what I want to write. So I kind of still kept doing that, even though maybe maybe it's not the smartest thing. I don't know. But um, so yeah, my first book is super zany and wacky and has amazing, crazy illustrations by Steph Labaris. But it's a book about hope, right? Like that's what the central, and that's what this book is. Like this is, sorry, this is a book about hope too. So I think the the central premise of both books is the same. I just think the the treatment and the way you get to it is is different. But I love writing. Dark Cloud is much more like a lyrical style. It's not poetry, but it's little fragments and like images. And I really like writing that way. So my third book is actually very much like Dark Cloud that's coming out in like two more years. But <laughs> oh, another um, another opportunity for an interview. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's I think it's okay that they're different. Like for me, it's okay that they're different because it's like when you're reading, you don't want to just read one ah, thing, right? Of, of, of course it's fine that they're different. Yeah, I know. But there is this I, feeling in the in the children's book world, like, you know, you really got to specialize at least for a while until you're famous enough and then you can branch out. And I'm just like, and you yeah. know, that's fine for people if they want to do that. But I just, my brain doesn't. Anna, my, my question, my question is a different question. What is your question? What, what got into you to take a different tack to this hope approach. Oh, like what inspired this actual book? For example. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, with writers, you write so many kinds of books and you know, people only see some of them, right? So I'd written a bunch in this kind of lyrical sort of style. So they were in the back catalog that no one's ever seen. Um, but this was a book that was inspired by something that happened with my daughter a few years ago. So she's 14 now. She This was several years ago. She was prescribed an allergy medication uh, at a time when we were transitioning a bunch of things, like she changed schools, she entered an immersion program. There was a lot of like new things happening. So we thought she was over time. We thought, oh, she's kind of, you know, just getting used to this a little bit stressed. That's OK. And then we realized that it was something else, like her personality was slowly changing. She was pulling away. She was a really happy kid. She was always smiling and she just didn't smile anymore. And she just withdrew. And it's a lot of what you see happening with Abigail in the book, like it's visual representation of what we saw with her so once we figured out what was going on and took her off the medication then it we just kind of had to wait and hope that she would come out of it you know the doctor's like oh it'll be fine it'll go away but it took about a year for it to go away completely and we had a lot of help um but it was it was a really hard thing to watch and I think part of me processing that was writing about it in the book 
And then Penny turned it into this <laughs> completely gorgeous story. So, you know, as horrible as it was, but, but, something lovely but, came out of it. But the, the end of it, though, it reminds me a little bit of that movie with uh, Jack Nicholson, As Good As It Gets, because it's not as if the cloud disappears entirely. It's right. just that you, you put it somewhere and you, you enter your it. color. Yes. And you enter your color world. Mm -hmm. um, I, um, I, for many years, suffered from agoraphobia. Mm. And, um, you know, as you know, I have my life back and I fly and lecture and um, yep. leave my house. But there's always a dark cloud somewhere. I, mm. I'm, I mean, little kids don't get agoraphobia, so I would have to write a grown-up book and I don't want to do that. Um, so you're a very brave person. Um, and uh, this is a wonderful book published in Canada, right? Kid Can Press. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that was just kind of a lucky thing because I had written this book and it was just kind of sitting there. And then my agent at the time had put me in contact with Kathleen Keenan at Kids Can Press about a book that I liked, but she had something similar already. So I was like, okay, well, what else have you got? And she said, I'm looking for books about big emotions. And I was like, I have that book. <laughs> so, so it went to her as an exclusive. Um, and then, yeah, then they acquired it. And this was, it was funny timing because this, I wrote it just before the pandemic, like in the January, before everything shut down in March. So I wrote it, it kind of went to her, everything shut down, everybody moved to work at home, meetings got pushed back, you know, and everything is just completely different. And then it took till about, I don't know, maybe May or June for everything to kind of come back online and find out that they were going to take the book. But it was, it's funny, like now thinking about the timing of it, like there's so many more kids now dealing with things like this as we come out of everything that we've all collectively gone through over the last few years, like I hear from so many people and it's not necessarily depression, it's other things, right? Other mental health things that kids didn't have before. But when your whole world suddenly changes, it's a lot to try to process. And I think the grownups, we haven't really processed it that well either. Like we can't expect kids to, right? So I think there's probably going to be a greater need for books like this, talking like with even agoraphobia, anxiety, like everything it's also kind of intermingled it can be hard to separate what is what so i think people being able to find their experiences in in books like this can be really helpful anna you're very brave um there's another very brave thing in this um i i almost counted the words um you know the word count it's it's under 300 words oh yeah it's very very sparse it's sparsely written it's lyrical um and usually at least I, I I always thought that um, the more words you wrote until I started going to conferences, mm -hmm. uh, the, the more people would pay, pay attention to you as the writer. But actually, there's kind of a uh, opposite effect. Um, but you need really a lot of ego power to write a story in less than 300 words. Do you? Uh, maybe you don't. I don't. I don't. Other, I don't think about it. Other people do. You know, you say yeah. uh, a picture picture book should have less than 500 words. It gives it only 500 words but actually mm. you can say a lot in 500 words you can i mean yeah. you often have to start out and you got to pick the best parts but you're way then... under the upper limit you, you've left yeah. a ton of space mm -hmm. for the illustrator and that's very brave and i want to get back to that afterwards um okay. you know what let's get back to it now okay i'm ready uh, okay uh traditionally published authors usually don't pick the illustrator they don't see the illustrations uh, was that the case in your book? Um, no, sort of not that. Um, so one of the nice things about, well, not nice things. One of the things that happened during the pandemic is we were all at home. 
and we had a lot of free time, right? So while this book was out in the world waiting for me to find out if it was going to be acquired by Kids Can Press, you know, I had a lot of time, everything was slow. So I was spending a lot of time on Twitter looking at things, just killing time. And I saw this illustration that Penny posted of this beautiful, it basically is this a bunch of it actually was reworked into the book, but it was a version of like this little girl with a cloud. And then it was a series of three. So there was this little girl with a cloud hugging a cloud and then sitting under this beautiful, all these beautiful, colorful flowers in the rain, which ended up turning up in the book too. I'm just going to show you that page. Like it's basically a version of these two pages. Mm-hmm. And she had posted, she had kind of a crummy day and she was, I think on the bus or something. And she did these incredible illustrations and posted it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that looks like Abigail. Like that looks like the little girl in the book that I'm waiting to find out if someone's going to publish it. So I copied the link to her tweet and stuck it in my Google Doc and said, if they acquire it, you know, I'm going to just put her name in front of their faces as well. Because she hadn't done any picture books. She'd done other things. And a lot of people know who Penny is. She's got incredible work and she's very active on Twitter. She's on Instagram, but um, she hadn't done picture books yet. So I was like, this would be amazing. So luckily, you know, Kids Ken was open to it. They they took her name and they were looking at a bunch of different illustrators. And then ultimately they decided that she was going to be the person to do the book. And I was just so happy. Because... You, you know, you don't do anything right, do you? <laughs> it's lucky timing that, mostly in I, this business. No, that, that's such a great story that you were the matchmaker of your own, uh, of your own uh, book. That's wonderful. Well, you know, a very big nod to kids can and the art director and the editor there for mm-hmm. being open to it too I, because not everybody is so i, I um I, you're gonna i'm gonna hit myself after i say this but it was a case of a penny for your thoughts <laughs> oh, serendipity is what we like to call it yeah so now since mm-hmm. you do everything differently than most people um let's go back to the uh, young anna um, mm-hmm. in, 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 the, in the previous interview, uh, you talked a lot, but maybe not enough about um, the five-year-old. Do you write to your five-year-old? You know, I always ask this question. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost, I, I don't know. And I don't know that I write to my own kids. It's almost just kind of like you reach back into that part of your brain where you can talk to kids. But I don't know if it's a kid specifically. I think it's just kind of you go back into that place where... Because I mean, this, you know, it's lyrical writing is, is tricky too, because it has to be, it has to have a certain feeling. It has to evoke emotion, but it also has to make sense to kids. And, you know, some people that have not liked this book at all, are like, I don't think kids can understand what's going on, but you know, kids are often smarter than we give them credit for, and they can figure things out. They know a lot of things. And especially with the illustrations, they can piece together what it is, is happening on the page. So yeah, I think it's just finding that, that part of your mind that remembers what it was like to be a kid. So maybe. Yeah, maybe. What was it like to be a five-year-old? You you grew up in Winnipeg? I grew up in Winnipeg, and then we lived in the Soviet Union for almost four years for my dad's job, which was like a gigantic culture shock. I remember you um, talking we traveled about, the, all over about, the world. The, about the rifles and the soldiers. and the... Yeah, I'd never seen a gun until we arrived at our so, so, compound we were living so in. If, if I were your psychologist and we were talking, which I'm not, and we're talking about the the uh, reasons the angst that you're writing towards um so would this be like the five-year-old before moscow or like the you like you were in moscow till you were between six and nine or something and then you came back Mm -hmm. so where 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 is your angst dear anna (laughs) i think a lot of my angst actually is when we came back 
and try to integrate back into a world that you're not really part of anymore. And the kids are like, you're weird. And then you lead into that. You become even weirder because they don't like you, you know? I like so, you. I, yeah. Well, this is little, like younger kids. This is like oh. middle school kids and they can be fairly mean, right? So it's kind of figuring out where you belong in the world. But I think like I was young enough when we moved overseas that and everybody there was in the same position because the school I went to was all kids of diplomats and journalists and foreign whoever's that were there and they all spoke English, but they were from all over the world. So my experience of school was around people from everywhere that spoke every language and that's just what it was. And I came back here and it was not that. And it was like, you know, fairly suburban white kids who had never really seen or done much, but didn't like the fact that I had seen and done things and didn't want to know about it. So I think that was probably, so I was 10. That was probably the biggest cultural shock was coming home. The, the other thing that struck me about your uh, your history, your biography, is that you, you studied art at college. Uh, you went into photographs and collages. And, and I interviewed Hanukh Piven, who's made a wildly successful international career um, with the photographs and collages. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked you last time, you know, uh, why aren't you toying with uh, with your artistic visual side? Is that an yeah, only question? I think of no, I think about it. I think it may come to that at some point. That's a whole other thing, though. Um, right. Because writing is one thing. Illustrating is one thing. Writing and illustrating well together is a whole other thing. And I know I spent some time working as an editor with a publisher in New York for a bit. And I know that sometimes one of those things can be great and the other one is not. So you basically but, have to be amazing at two things. But agents are looking almost exclusively now for author illustrators. And and you potentially yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't, I can't draw. No, I'm not. I, I, I have a, I have a cer- certificate. Yes. Melvin cannot draw. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't like, know, maybe, like, like maybe one know, day, you know, like, you know? You know, like Reynolds' book, The Dot? Yes. I failed on page one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it would have to be the right idea that I would want to be, you know, pulled into doing that. And I'm not sure what that would be yet. But, but is it possible that um, because you're also an artist, you have a, a sensitivity for leaving the space for the illustrator? Maybe that's yeah, well, why why your writing is so sparse. I well, my writing wasn't sparse when I started. <laughs> like everyone oh. else, like you start out writing like these maths. It's like this is a two thousand page picture book. This is going to be amazing. You're spoiling um, my theory, dear. No, but I think there's two things to that. I think there's part of it is the art background. So you can like I don't try to imagine the illustrations because that's not my job. And a lot of people do, and then they're upset if the color is wrong or the something. I think it's better not to think about it too much and just leave, leave it uh, leave it open. So I try to do that. But yeah, like writing just enough that there's something else that's going to happen on the page. But also my day job is I work in radio, which is all storytelling with sound. So there's no images. So it's similar, but very different. So you have, how do we tell a story without images? It's all using sound. It's all using music. It's all sound design. So it's, to me, that has actually been extremely helpful in transitioning to picture books because it's similar skills that you need to have to kind of do half a thing right? <laughs> and leave space for the sound or the art and, 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 and also storytelling mm-hmm. oh yeah storytelling big time so um i the, the the i was just thinking like thinking about our previous conversation today um there's also another uh, 
well-known writer called Julia Donaldson, mm -hmm. uh, who um, everybody knows, of course, the Gruffalo. Mm -hmm. um, I actually bumped into her in a coffee house in Athens and had coffee with her. Really? That's, yeah, that's another story. Another, I, yes, another show. I, I'm interviewing you today. But, but the incredible thing about Julia is that she, she started out at the BBC. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, you, you certainly, you know, you, you're... Your background is the proper background for con conquering the world. Oh, um, good. I just need a Gruffalo idea. <laughs> well, well, we'll talk after the show. We'll kick everybody uh -huh. out and have a little Gruffalo-Fuffalo discussion. <laughs> um, so what I wanted to ask you is, um, so you found Penny, uh -huh. and she did these marvelous illustrations. Um Wow, I, I would like to interview her also for the show. She she appears to be one wonderful, wonderful illustrator. Mm -hmm. um, to give this transition, you know, from black and white to color, but it's not black and white at the beginning, mm -hmm. and it's not color at the end. Mm -hmm. um, so do you have, um, when the book comes out, what, what feelings do you have in the fact that, and this is not your first book that somebody else has illustrated, mm -hmm. um, it's my book, it's not my book. It's my book, it's not my book. It's our book. Yeah. I mean, generally, and especially, you know, if you think about, as you said, how few words are in the book, the heavy lifting is done by the illustrations in this book. This book would be a poem, right? It would be very different. The experience would be not nearly as rich, not nearly as meaningful. Like Penny was able to capture the moods of things in a way that, you know, you can do with words, but when you have the art to go with it, it just elevates it to a completely different level. So I always thought, it, I mean, from the second I saw those illustrations and decided, oh my God, it has to be her. Hopefully that will work. It was going to be our book. So it's, yeah, I don't, you know, there's a lot of discussion about, you know, illustrator credits and names on the book. And, you know, our names are both on the book and there's no, if you can see it, it doesn't say written by, illustrated by. Mm -hmm. It's just us. And they're the both size font, the same sized font. Yeah, because often the writer's name will be first and then it's just illustrated by the illustrator. But there is a now there seems to be a movement now to remove that because it's mm -hmm. it's an equal, sometimes slightly more leaning on the illustrator kind of partnership, right? It's they do a lot of work. Absolutely. So you don't have any problem with that? No. I, I mean, think if that, Penny, because who knows what the book would look like? I can't imagine. But without the illustrator, there's no book. So that's kind of an important thing. So I should start interviewing more illustrators. Yeah, it would be really interesting to find out because, I mean, there were a few art notes sprinkled into this. Mm -hmm. Not a lot. Um, and then but it would be really interesting to hear how an illustrator thinks about text and what they decide to put in or because sometimes the story changes or they put in things that you don't think about and suddenly you're like, that makes it better, right? So it's it's really fascinating, I think, to find out what the process is for people as they're bringing someone else's words to life, but also injecting themselves into the book too. Mm, absolutely. You've given me a lot of food for thought. Can you talk about your next book coming out or it's a secret or has it been announced? It hasn't been announced. It doesn't have an illustrator yet, but it's in a similar, so it's with Kids Can as well. Um, it's in a similar vein to Dark Cloud. This one I wrote during the pandemic so this one is actually about loss and it's about 
my editor actually told me what it was about, which I didn't realize, which is Kathleen King and a kid's sketch. She's like, oh, it's about, you know, being in the moment of loss, but also moving forward and creating new memories. And I thought, oh, that's so lovely. It is. It's about creating new memories once you're kind of processing this loss. So that's the next one that's coming out. And then I have a couple more that are ready to go out. One that is out on submission now, and they're much more cheerful. So <laughs> there'll be some more cheerful books coming too. So but so you told me in the previous uh, discussion, you can, of course, uh, deny everything you told me, um, okay. that um, you kind of, you know, you had a successful career in the radio, and then you said, no, I also want to write uh, picture books. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and the other thing you said, which I found really endearing, was that you didn't know what you were doing. No. Oh, you I didn't, didn't know that? there were so many rules and processes. I had no, I didn't know anything about any of it. You just, you just charged right in like Caitlin Aronson's uh, bull in the China shop. Actually, her <laughs> bull doesn't ruin the China shop no. um, or tries not to. Um, and you just went in there, you know, with, with both feet and, 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 and kicked your way in. And, and that's brilliant. And um, we talked about this last time, you know, you're one in several, now you're one in several thousand, maybe 10,000 authors that have multiple books coming out. And uh, you have a wonderful agent now. Uh, do you want to mention your agent? Yep, Jennifer Enter at the Enter Agency. Um, I would love to interview her too. And um, so, you know, this could lead to, I might get you to be like a co-host on the show. You're so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Great. really, you're not, you're not working anymore? Oh, no, I'm still working. Ah, okay. Well, when you decide not to work anymore. I'll just come and interview you about your book. Yeah, you can't interview me about my book Um, because, (laughs) no, you can, but not for the uh, New Books Network. Fair enough. Because my book is in Hebrew, and uh, what are you going to ask me, and what will I say, and, um, you know. Um, Yeah, you know what, you can, but not, well, we'll talk, we'll talk. Um, It's a beautiful book. Thank you, dear. Um, So, but this is about you and your beautiful book. So, um, still, you've had this singular success. You know, you came from a background of art school and writing and radio. And then you found a really wonderful niche for yourself in picture book writing. And so, I mean, we're not going to say to people, you know, if you want to be a successful picture book writer, uh, (laughs) go to school for four years to find arts uh, and then get a job in the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Um, But... But because you're on this successful trek and you told me the T-Rex is doing well, which I'm really happy about, um, you must have all kinds of advice for authors. And in our last discussion, we ran out of time and we didn't have time for what is Anna's advice to authors, given your quirky road to success. Um. Yeah, I guess I would say, like, in some ways, it's really freeing to not know all the things that I now know about the process and what you're supposed to do and not do. And I think letting go of all the writing rules, even some of the querying rules, like querying is awful. Um, so there's that. But I think just like really. But you you told me now that you found your current agent mm-hmm. from the slush, slush pile. Yep. You should be teaching how to write a successful query letter because, okay, yes, you could write there all about me. I have, I'm already published. I'm already traditionally published, Mm -hmm. but you have to get the agent to read down to the third paragraph about Anna. 
Yeah, and I think some agents don't read them at all. I think sometimes they take a quick look at the the pages, whatever you've sent in, and if they don't like it, they don't bother because they have 700 other ones and they don't have time to really get to know you very well. So, um, but I just like, you know, I have a query letter that I used. Um, the other thing that I will say is save everything. You know, I saved everything, every query letter, every, I have pitches for everything. So when I parted ways with my first agent in October, I wasn't starting from scratch, I could go back and pull out the query letter that got me a whole bunch of interest the first time around, and then just basically use that as a template. I think people spend so much time personalizing things, and I don't think that's worth your time or effort. Like I could query 40 people in a day because it's a template, right? You don't need to, oh, they like this show. I'll put in a note about that. Like nobody has time for this. You know, they don't have time to read it. You're putting so much work in that you don't know if anybody's ever seeing it. So for me, personalizing became something that I did at the beginning. And I now don't think it's really, unless there's something really specific that you have with that agent, but how many people could that be true of, right? So writers are bending over backwards, trying to personalize and finding perfect comps. And, you know, and I really think it's just a waste of time. I told you that very I'm doing, controversial. I told you that I'm doing things wrong. Mm. So, so, so uh, how that's wonderful. for me. I mean, that might not be true for no, other okay. people. People but might how, love it, right? Great. How, how wonderful a person are you on a scale of zero to 10? I don't know. <laughs> I guess that I'm gonna, depends who you ask. I'm, I'm going to challenge you to share your query letters. Okay. You know, share your query letters. Send them to me. I'll share them. I mean, you have some gift. Well, I have a master's degree in journalism, so I can write things you know writing query letters is different from writing books but it's all the same skill set right so I've been over the course of my you know 20 plus years in radio I've been able to distill writing down into very small bits as needed and just keeping the most important things <laughs> so, I mean I was lucky when I first started querying I won a like a thing on Twitter where I had someone go over my query letter and she made some great points and that became the template I used for everything so I think the nice thing about you know, kid lit and being part of that community, maybe not as much on Twitter now as it was before, but like people are so willing to help and offer advice and, and just, you know, look over things for like, it's amazing what you can, this group of people that don't necessarily have to support each other, but they do. And it's this wonderful well, warm it, kind of place. It, it's like, it is mm -hmm. it's any, it, like from these interviews, like I really, I want to just, you know, go over the run over to Winnipeg and give you a great big hug because the writers I meet are such wonderful, lovely people. Actually, I met a few of them in New York mm -hmm. again recently, and they're even lovelier than they are, they are on camera and so willing to help and mm -hmm. to share and to give free advice. Most of them, some people make a living. Uh, we're not going to talk about that, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, but it's important to tell people the chance of getting published. It doesn't matter in Israel and Canada or whatever is less than one in a thousand um and whatever ways you can do to increase that you know mm -hmm. that very rare occasion yeah is i think that you have to embrace you know, and it still... has to, you know what feels right for you like some people like to query five people and then stop and wait and i my brain doesn't work that way like i just have to i treat it like a job it's like okay this is what i'm doing today i'm doing this 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 and if things come back more things go out the day i split with my last agent i sent a query letter out I and so you I'm, don't like I, I'm not a waiting around to see what happens kind of how, person. I'm like, much, okay. How much do you charge? I, I'm, I'm, 
we're going to have to do some barter or something. I'm just going to have to pay you money to be my, uh, my querying mentor. Every time I have yeah, to I query, think... I want to throw up. And then I, I do all this research. And then they say, oh, you know, um, um, you, um, you like mosquitoes. And I have a story on I a... Lived uh, place. Uh, on a yes. I lived in a place. I grew up in Winnipeg. Um, so I'm sending you this. I know that you'll love it. Um, and and you, you, you're flying in the face of the, of common, a, um, what's the word? Common commonness. And I yeah, applaud and I think, you for that because somebody. I think, can... yeah, I think there are more people that do this. I think maybe it's just not talked about as much. But again, like it's it's your own comfort zone. I think if you're going to do this, this is where art school was good because art school, um, you put up work, everyone tears it to bits. So I started this when I was like 17 years old. I was in art school. So you start with critiques and everything you do for four years, people say, oh, this is good, but this is everything that's terrible. So by the time you get through that, like you have to have a certain level of self-confidence to keep putting it out and a certain level of, I don't really care what you think if I like it. And there may be points that you have that make sense that I can work on, but I'm, you know, some people get completely destroyed by critiques or by a rejection or, a, you know, and it's hard. Like even the last time I was querying, I got some amazing passes from agents. It's just like, am I ever going to find another agent? Like, I don't know. Cause that's how hard it is now. It's so much harder than it was a few years ago and hats off to everybody still doing it. Cause it's brutal, but I think you have to keep that level of self-confidence up because it will completely destroy you if you're not ready for that. And I think so many people are like, oh, I wrote a nice story and, and now I'm going to let critique partners read it and they don't like it. And then they completely like, don't know what to do because it's hard because it's you, right? So it always feels like they're criticizing you, but it's not, it's like separate from you. And you have to be open to what makes sense to you criticism wise and just be like, okay, but that's what you think. But clearly that's not what I want for this. So we'll just park that over here. And I think it's valuable to hear those kind of opinions. Like I had one person that hated this book in draft form and she was like, I don't relate to this at all. I don't think this works. I was like, then this isn't going to be a book that you're going to buy. And that's fine because mm -hmm. other people will. Like not everyone has to like your book. That's the other thing, right? Not everybody will. That's why we have millions of kinds of books because if we all like the same books, there'd be 10 books. But, so and I, look, I, 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 I teach at university. Mm -hmm. I have a hundred students in my class and they're all happy campers. And one is playing with their smartphone or something. That one drives me crazy. You know, 90 people will say, I like Mel's course. And, and one will mm -hmm. say it's a lousy course. Yeah. So what, what is it about me? Well, what do I need to do to become Anna and to say to that person, go screw yourself? Well, not that, but that's not, like, they're not. Why do, why do, why do we always go to the people who are the naysayers, the detractors? Mm -hmm. How do we overcome that? Are you also a I psychologist? That's human nature. No, but I, but I think it, like, I really think it's just, you got to pile it up. Like you need so much of it that you kind of get used to it. You can't expect everybody to like everything because it's not going to happen. So I think in that sense, you teach to the other 90% because they're the ones that are getting back from you. Right. So not everyone's going to like it. Not everyone has to like it, but I think you have to get to that place in your mind that I'm going to not serve the other 90% if I'm focused on the 10 and then nobody's getting what they want out of it. Right. And it's not fun for you. So I think as long as it's not like we do this for almost no money, right? Often with no chance of publication. No, no, we, we're no, writing we, we, and writing. We, we do it with money, Anna, but it's our money. Yes, our money. <laughs> but I mean, 
mean, there's often people will do this for years and there's no guarantee that anything's going to happen. Like you may never get another agent. You may never sell a book, but we keep going because we want to do it. Yeah. It's the contrary. Mm -hmm. You know, if if the odds are 999 to a thousand, you know, in your not favor. Yeah. You know, we are sort of, um, well, maybe, maybe you, you and I aren't anymore, but we're still a little bit Michigan because, you know, like even if you get paid, it still comes out to 10 cents an hour or whatever. Um, but I, I look at writing as a calling. Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't have that much control over it anymore. If you give me some time, I'm just going to sit down and write. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, oh, thank God I can sit down and write. And it's like nobody's paying me for this. I'm yeah. now turning down jobs so that I can sit and, and lose money writing. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, let's um, let's open your wonderful book and um, and read us a little bit of. So we can't read much, right? We can read a little bit. I didn't ask you to read much. It's less than three hundred words. <laughs> we don't want to get everybody upset. No. So let's read a couple of pages. So the first page. Um, Abigail had a dark cloud. One day it just appeared. She shut the door, but it followed her in. The rain made everything damp. So then it kind of goes along. She's experiencing things that are not so happy. Uh, And then here's something about the middle of the book. Abigail had tangled thoughts, but couldn't lift the comb. Her dad sat quietly on the bed and gave her a polka dot bow. So here is Penny's imaginings of Abigail with her tangled thoughts. And then you see the little yellow bow. That's, that's, very po- that's so poignant. Um, there's another one where she's walking hand in hand with daddy. That's my sens- favorite. Yeah. She says that, that he feels, yeah. Ah, this is my favorite I, text in the book. Yeah, by far. So Abigail had a dark cloud. It felt a bit familiar. Her dad held her hand and then she knew sometimes he had cloudy days too. And you don't see him. You just see, you know, this little girl looking up on her dad with her beautiful colored backpack. Yeah, that's my favorite text, I think, in the book, because that's the turning point for her, because then she kind of takes takes it on. She's like, okay, I can figure this out. And she does. Yeah, because the other thing that came up with this book was that there weren't, like, her parents weren't really, they don't talk to her, right? So they're there. It was like, well, we have to make sure the parents are there so she doesn't feel like she's alone. So that was kind of on Penny to figure out how to incorporate the parents in, like, her birthday party scene, so she's dealing with it a lot on her own, but also she has support all around her. So you don't feel like, oh my God, this poor kid's just kind of out in the wilderness alone. So she had to be rooted with people who cared for her. So you see them in the story a lot more than you hear it in the text. It's a lovely story. Um, it's a bit like my my story. It's a good thing that um, I only saw it today. Otherwise, you know, I might have said <laughs> Abigail and Emily. Hmm. Mm. Um, so this has been a wonderful conversation. And um, we're going to have to find a way so that we don't have to meet every two years. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Okay. I, I always I, enjoy I, talking to you. It's always fun. And likewise, and we're, we're going to get rid of everybody and continue. Um, but, but if you share a one or two query letters... You, I mean, maybe you do know what angst this is for people who are looking for agents in North America. Mm-hmm. Literally, liter, liter, literally and literarily. Yep. Literally and literarily. Uh, a needle in a haystack. 
and and I think that you can help. And um, I want to apologize because I forgot your master's degree in journalism. That's okay. And I've had at least one other um, wonderful author on the show who studied journalism and then marketing and advertising, and and maybe maybe us authors need a crash course in journalism. The marketing helps too. Writing but pitches I think I, is often writing pitches is so hard for people, especially about their own work. Often it's easier to write pitches for other people because you're not invested, right? So, yeah. But yeah. the beauty I of used journey. to do that. I used to do. I would write pitches for people as contests, like people who were trying struggling with pitches for their own book. Because then you read it and write the pitch, and they're like, "Oh, that's this, right?" Same thing as when my editor said, "Oh, this is what your book's actually about," and I was like, "Yes, it is." Because sometimes you can't see it; you're too deeply in it, and it's hard to tell. So you need someone else to come in and be pull out the marketing hook and then you're good to go so what you help people with pb pitches and stuff yeah i did yeah what a sweetheart you are like voluntarily yeah you see it's that helping nature of the kidlet world people wouldn't believe what it's actually like no it's it's very helpful but Mm -hmm. it's all i i think that part of the reason is that we're not really competing you know if there's like a, a thousand people competing for one position or for one book or for one agent you're not really competing i mean you can be you know if 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 the um the uh, writer who got the the deal mm-hmm. is writer number 437 and you're writer 289 you can still feel a ton of empathy not like not like the guy next to you and mm-hmm. if you know this person you can really be rooting for them like I I read your book hoping I would love it and I, and I loved it. Um, so Anna, this has been terrific. Um, you have uh, two beautiful books that we've talked about. Uh, T Rexes this can't tie their shoes, uh, which I feel strong empathy towards. And your new one, Dark Cloud, um, show it again from Kids Can Press, which is just out with the remarkable illustrator Penny Neville Lee from Manchester, mm-hmm. and um, a very a very brave book, and like you, not nothing is done in the standard way here. It's very brave, um, unique, um, challenging, not happy-go-lucky, and um, and I love it. Thank you. That's very so kind. I, 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 I even I was so happy to see you. I forgot to introduce the program. So I'm going to introduce the program. Go now. for it. Hi, mm-hmm. hi, everybody. I'm Mel Rosenberg. I'm the host of the Children's Literature Channel for the New Books Network. And I have a wonderful guest today, Anna Lazowski, and we're celebrating her new book, Dark Cloud. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. For being on the show. So we're going to go back. We're going to go out, kick everybody out, and go back in. Um, Whether or not you have people in your family who have issues of, um, of feeling down, um, it's still a wonderful book for everybody. I think it has a universal message. I hope so. Thank you.